Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Heather was looking at me. You've started the last couple, so I thought you were going to roll into it. But I, I guess it makes sense, though, because here on the Living in Portland podcast today, we are going to be talking about my favorite subject, right, Listy? Your favorite. That's right. This is my lane. This is all about the financing. So we're going to go through like why you might not be approved. We're going to go through the difference between pre-qualified, pre-approved, Which and is the my rare. favorite subject, by the way. Is it really? I love talking about pre-approved and pre-qualified. It makes a huge difference. And if there's agents listening to us, they need to hear this as well, not just buyers. Yeah, but. this is super important. And we're going to throw in a term not typically discussed, but I'm a huge fan, the pre-underwritten. Yeah. Which can make your Bring offer big dogs. even stronger. I have to do say really fast that what I love about you being a part of our team is we are super lucky and blessed because you're a mortgage advisor, not just the money guy. Like you don't just give out the loans to people, but you help people come up with a strategy to buying their investments and helping them. And I learn something new every day from you. I'm always in awe with some of the things that I was clueless about and had no idea. Well, thank you. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy educating people on one of the biggest decisions financially in their life. And quite honestly, I'm embarrassed of our industry. Um, typically, someone who's looking to get pre-approved is going to Google something, go online or call a friend or whatnot. Now, let's dive into what that typically looks like. So if you go online to say like rocket mortgage or whatever, and you fill out something online and they spit you out an approval, that's called a pre-qualification. What a pre-qualification is, is really just, Hey, a computer telling you if all these things you entered in your income, your assets, how much money you have, uh, you're maybe even just a verbal credit score. All of these things are true. This is likely the home that you could buy in some sort of range of about 10 to 20%. Not a really focused lens. There's a huge variable of all that information you put in no. being accurate. And there's a lot of different layers to, especially income that might be qualifying or not qualifying. So to elevate that we want to go to a pre-approval. Now, a pre-qualification letter, if you're working with an agent that is submitting an offer or even showing you homes with a pre-qualification, they're not really taking their job seriously and you're really not putting in an offer that is going to be taken seriously by the sellers because selling agents understand the difference of these different definitions. So it's almost the lowest form of approved financing, if you will, when you're submitting an offer. At minimum, you want to do a pre-approval. So what is that difference? So all that information, your income, your assets is then supported with loan documentation. So if you've got income, you've now supported it with an offer letter or pay steps. If you've got money to buy the home, it's supported with bank statements, retirement statements, investment statements. So you're also running credit. We're doing a full credit poll. Now, most consumers out there, they just use a general estimate like Credit Karma or Credit Wise or whatever FICO monitoring system on their credit uh, credit card app. 
those have very, very wide ranges of accuracy. So if you've got any sort of story or colorful past with financing, those scores are typically going to be higher because they're not pulling in maybe a collection or a mispayment from many, many years ago. Those estimators are really only showing a general scope of the last 6, 12 to 18 months from my experience. So you want to make sure in the you, that you're pulling credit, going through the pre-approval process with someone like me so that I can get ahead of any issues. Because the only asset when you have an issue is time. A lot of these things are like dealing with the government or the court system. So the credit bureaus aren't super fast. So if we need to work on credit or dispute something, we want to know early, especially, and even more important, when you're relocating from across the country. I'm surprised that the number of people that we've helped move across the country, like they haven't disclosed certain issues mm -hmm. and then it pops up. And it becomes even more complicated when you're transferring jobs or getting new jobs. Yeah. So that this is something that I've specialized in just doing YouTube, social media, the living in Portland brand. These are the scenarios I deal with every single day. And you'll, call like a random mortgage person and they'll say it's not a big deal but it really is there's a lot of moving parts on behind the curtain when it comes to verifying your employment for a new job uh, specific structures to an offer letter specific structures to a closing day guaranteed pay all these things need to be ironed out and when you're working with someone like me and my team on the lending side that understand the most efficient way to verify it it's huge. And it can be the difference between your financing going through and you getting the home or not. So just to recap, do not get pre-qualified. Like that is just a waste of freaking time. You need to get pre-approved minimum. And on um, the agent side, I have to tell you why, like, I know you touched base on it, but example, I had a listing last weekend. We received four offers. The highest offer was fantastic their pre-approval letter was not pre-approval. It was a pre-qualified letter. It stated right on there that it was subject to a full loan re application review. And when I reached out to talk to the lender and had a little questionnaire filled out, because I am not a half-asser agent, I do my due diligence and make sure my people are fully um, educated on what the offers sitting in front of them are when I present them so I can go through. This particular letter, I found out that employment hadn't been verified, cash to close hadn't been verified. It was a crappy offer. Like there, you know, my sellers did not choose that offer because they were not fully pre-approved and there could have been financial issues because they were just relying on this information of whether it was accurate or not on what they typed into a, an online resource. Not to mention local is always better. I'm going to tell you that as an agent, always use a local lender. Don't use an online lender. Don't use an out-of-state lender. And make sure that if you are using somebody that you found online, are they licensed in Oregon or Washington to do your loan? Because I can't believe how many pre-approval letters I've seen. And then I look up the agent and they're not even licensed in the state. Yeah, that's a big one and super unfortunate. And going back to the local piece, it is a huge, it's the easiest thing you can do to make your offer more appealing um, to the sellers. Additionally, when you use a local lender, the selling agents typically know all the lenders in our area. So that makes your offer more appealing because they know from experience, you know, I give them a call after your offer. I'm like, hey, Susie, remember we closed one, two, three Cherry Lane last year, how great that was. 
And they're like, yes, I do. And then they're telling us, hey, I've worked with this funder. The finance, the financing side is solid. Addy and his team communicate really well. There are not going to be any surprises or delays. The sellers want to make sure that you're going to show up to the altar on time with the money and they're not going to have to go back on the market because that's a risk. If it fails because of financing, the sellers had to put their house back on the market and then they're kind of stained. It's a white shirt that's stained. Oh my God, what happened? And you'll see in the, the fine print of listings, not to sellers fault, but no one believes them. They think that something's wrong with the house, the general person using Redfin or Zilla. So using local is really big for that reason, but also a quick story that I'll tell you is we've seen people use like just Florida, right? We had someone from Florida and they used a Florida lender. When things get hard or busy, they often don't really feel any consequence to closing late or not replying to emails or being organized because what, what are you going to do? Fly out to Florida and go egg their house here. You could drive to my office in Lake Oswego or my home in North Portland and interrogate me, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's consequences, not only to my safety, but also my reputation within the industry. Cause we have hundreds of clients that I'm also calling these listing agents and listing agents do not forget when a lender made a mistake, the local one. So there's a lot on the line for me and my team to close that. But the benefit for you guys is just simply you're going to close on time. You're going to fully vetted approval. You're not going to be blindsided. Now, another general thing to know is when you're working with most lenders, say you even do get pre-approved and they spit you out a letter or a number like, hey, you're good up to like 700. Well, what does that even mean? What does that mean? There's, that is the wrong way, in my opinion, for approving someone because all that number is based on assumption. The real calculation is what's called debt to income ratio or the acronym DTI. So based on your qualifying income, your credit, the assets you have available to invest in the home and the minimum payments that show up on your credit report, what is left over is your maximum allowed mortgage payment, which then reverse engineer dictates how much of a home you can buy. Now there's even more variables. How expensive is the insurance? How expensive are the property taxes for the area that you're looking at? Are you looking at new construction or existing? What are the active interest rates? Super hot topic this year Uh, with interest rates going up. We had a ton of people um, that were approved for a million dollars in January and now approved for 600,000 you know, midsummer this year, just because the interest rate went up and that makes the payment go up. So that's where I really changed the game. Is It's game this. changer. The, what you do compared to other lenders out there, because one, you're a spreadsheet nerd and you love to do spreadsheets with everybody, but you're reverse doing it. And you're talking to them. What are you comfortable with your mortgage payment being? looking at what they can afford. It's not like, oh, you're approved for 700,000. Well, what's the mortgage payment look like for 700? And then they realize, uh, I don't want to pay $4,500 a month. I'm comfortable at 2,500. What can I afford at that, right? And that stuff, when we go through our initial consult with everyone, we typically do them on Zoom. So we want you to reach out because we're going to get to know you, get to know the story. If you've been here, you haven't been here, the areas, all that fun stuff. But then we dive into some examples through screen share 
of not only what's your estimated buying power be, that DTI or debt to income ratio, what is the maximum mortgage payment you could get approved for? And what does that sales price look like? The next layer would be financial comfort level. And this is something I hear no one talking about. Well, hey, I really only want my payment to be this. But say we get into a good school district and you're not paying tuition. Maybe that adjusts. Okay, let's move it from 2,500 to 3,000 or 4,500 to 5,000. And I show you on a color-coded table, this is what these payments would look like, right? With updated in, uh, interest rates. Most of the time, people are just going to be like, okay, I'm good up to 700. They get into contract. They do all this work emotions, the roller coaster, all this stuff. And then they get blindsided when they're already in contract. And then they're told for the first time, oh yeah, interest rates went from three to six since we last talked. So you do qualify for it, but your payment's $1,700 more. You had gone through all the entire emotional process of thinking that you were going to buy this home. Not only mentally do you move all your stuff in, you thought your payment was going to be something. So we avoid all the blind side, which makes us super efficient. And before you ever put in an offer with us, as long as you want to, which nine out of 10 people do, I will rerun estimates for you and give you a nice range. Say the home's like 600K and you want to see the numbers at 590 to 620. We'll give you different tier levels. You can see what these payments would look like, see what the closing costs would look like, see what type of financial comfort level that is ticking for you. And it makes a huge difference in the overall experience, Listy. I mean, well, I can't stress it enough. I can't stress it enough. I mean, there has been so many times where you have saved our clients from making a bad financial decision because you were able to help with those spreadsheets before we placed an offer. I can remember one couple that was getting ready to offer on a really great house in Southwest Portland, but taxes had, a they were extremely high on this particular home it raised their payment about $500 a month. And they were mm -hmm. like, uh, we don't have that extra 500. And as much as they loved the home, seeing what the numbers looked like on that paper, we decided not to place an offer because however they worked the numbers, mm -hmm. they were overspending what their comfort level was. And you just don't get that. I had another buyer that's, you know, brothers, cousins, aunts, uncles, a loan officer that was able to help them. And unfortunately they didn't use you and they had no clue what their payment was going to be. They just knew they were pre-approved. And I kept saying, Hey, are we comfortable at this level? You know, interest rates were starting to move up a little bit. And I kept asking them and their loan officer, are we still okay with the payment? And everybody was like, yeah, we're fine. We're fine. And then when they got their estimated, you know, disclosures and they saw what their payment was going to be, they called me bawling. They were so upset and they were trying to figure out how they were going to be able to afford this mortgage payment because mm -hmm. they didn't have somebody looking out in their best interest and fully disclosing everything and helping them make this mortgage strategy. So I really appreciate what you do because I have been in other situations where it's a shit show. Excuse my language. Can I say that? Ah, yeah, of course. Well, and I yeah. would like to add another story too. Like in the mortgage strategy, like it truly is a strategy because let's say you've got maybe a $300 car payment and the balance on that loan is $15,000, right? Yeah. And you're really sensitive to payment and overall financial overhead on a monthly basis. So what a lot of people just think is like, oh, I need to put 20, 30% down, but it might be more conducive to reduce your down payment, right? 
and pay off that car loan, eliminate that $300 a month payment, but increase your mortgage payment by $75 a month. Yeah. So we go through all these different options for people. Another example might be, let's say you're looking at a home, you'd been looking at new construction, right? And then now you're looking at an existing or resale as we call it. And there might need to be a little updating, a little fluff and buff, if you will. Like we need new appliances. We want to do new cabinets or flooring, or we want to do an ADU in the back, whatever it might be. Right? ADU. I was just going to say, oh, we want an ADU. Yeah. That's a super wants an ADU. It's a trigger word. Like everyone talks about that. Yeah. So what if, what if we want to reduce our down payment and allocate 10, 20, 30,000 to upgrades, right? Yep. I can build those out. Hey, this is what it looks like if you put all your budget into the mortgage. This is what it looks like if you put half of that and the rest in a slush fund for projects that you're going to DIY and hire out. So I will break all that down for you to all the complexities. I even have some people that are like, hey, I'm getting a, a moving allowance from my company. I'm getting X amount of dollars for this and that and that. We'll add that in for moving costs and this and that. And we, that way we're always in line and there's no blindsiding. So the strategy piece of it is, is super important. Now, I want to talk about that last term that I mentioned at the beginning, the pre-underwrite. So yeah. to give a little definition to what, an underwriter is. So me, I'm a mortgage advisor licensed in Oregon and Washington. I originate your loan. So I help you through all these processes of advising, strategizing, talking about interest rates, talking about getting your supporting loan documentation, everything put together. But in the end, when you go to buy a home, there's a middle person between me and the money. It's called the underwriter. The underwriter is essentially an expert in all the guidelines. There's too many for one human to memorize, but their entire focus is to check all these boxes and make sure that we're good to go. And they give that stamp of approval prior to it closing. Now, Should what I be can... sending the underwriter a bottle of wine? <laughs> that would be against compliance. However... <laughs> So during the hype of 2020, 2021, it was so busy, we couldn't do a pre-underwrite, which means we send it to an underwriter as a hypothetical. We actually put the property address as TBD for wow. to be determined. And we go through the whole thing. We verify the income. Our team reaches out to your employer. We have an underwriter review all the assets and the credit. Make sure there's no problems. That makes your offer even more strengthened and yeah. enticing to the seller. So we're doing that now as a formality. And it actually allows us to um, be a little more aggressive on the closing date if the sellers need you to close in a little bit of a timelier fashion, say 21 days. We've shrunk the process of that extra week of underwriting and we can get even more aggressive. So that's one thing that we're doing as of late. And also it just is another layer of preventing any sort of blindsiding. So pre-underwriting- layers are the better to have done. I mean, it just makes your offer that much more strong. And in the letter, I'll type in fully pre-underwritten. When you sit, when Heather and the team submits an offer, I always call if you're fully pre-underwritten, I will stress that. I'll be like, hey, Susie, we've, our clients are fully underwritten. 
We love it's you. a loan guarantee, essentially. All we need is your mutual acceptance, most likely do an appraisal. And this is going to go so, so easy. Comfort plus status and the fight here, right? So that's a really big approach we're taking as of late. Transitioning one last section. I'm trying to speed through this because I don't want to be too long. Addressing the elephant in the room of interest rates, right? So last year we were seeing rates in the 2%. That was a normal thing. Um, now they have been in a range over the last 45 days of national averages for a conventional loan, which out here is loans that are at 647 borrowed amount or less exceeding that's a whole nother world. It's called a jumbo loan. But the average interest rate now is ranged between five and a half and six and a half percent. Now, you need to understand, you know, I've had a lot of people, well, I heard or I was told I could get this rate and this rate. Most people don't understand that you can do what's called buying the rate down. You're adding additional cost to buying the home in the closing cost section. And that's referred to as discount points. So the more money that you spend in closing costs, the lower you can get the rate. So I had one person be like, I, I, I was told I could get 4.25%. Absolutely. Anybody can. You just have to pay can. for it, suckers. People don't understand, though, that they're, they've now increased their closing costs by anywhere from 10, 20, 30, 40, $40,000. And no one in their right mind is going to do that. <clears throat> now, the most appropriate thing to do right now is to limit how much money you're spending on the rate. So it might feel counter natural or unnatural to take a higher interest rate, but you're actually spending less money out of pocket. Why would you do that? Because everyone that's getting a loan right now has to really look at this mortgage as a stepping stone mortgage. Because why? The minute rates go back down, you're going to refinance it, right? And if you spend $20,000 on a lower rate, and then you're just going to refinance and spend another additional cash to lower that interest rate and start the mortgage over, that all went down the drain. That's so a one, huge point. That's like 20,000 out the window that you just wasted. It's out the window. And one of the reasons why I partnered with my employer for many, many, many reasons outside of this is we service all of our conventional loans, meaning you, we are the company that you'll make the payment to. When rates go down, we then can do an easy streamlined refinance and give you existing client interest rates. And I can't use the word free, but it is essentially a very streamlined and preferred client refinance. And it's super easy. So I don't want my people wasting money if they don't have to $40,000 out of pocket. I'm buying down a rate so that you can tell Jimmy at the neighborhood barbecue that you got whatever rate. No one cares about your rate. Your neighbors don't care what interest rate. What Most if- people lie they and just do. say they don't know. Bye, fibbers. But I will say, I find it really interesting. These people that we've had conversations with on Zoom, if they got pre-approved, they're like, yeah, I can get four and a half percent from so-and-so, but they don't know how to read those disclosures and the the estimated fee statements. And you're like, hey, let me compare apples to apples. And you're able to point out, look right here, there's $22,000 charge that they didn't realize that they were paying down that loan because the person that they're working with online or out of state, or they're not local or just not 
somebody having the best interest for their buyer and educating them, they had no idea they were buying down that rate, but you've been able to show them. And I think that's huge because you have that integrated, like just spell it out for them and show them. And they're like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea. I just thought they had better rates. Well, and what I, yeah. And what I do too, as like a client right now that we just got into contract yesterday, I'll send over options and be like, Hey, yeah. this is, this is what right goes back to the spreadsheet. This is what it looks like at four and a half, five, five and a half, six. It shows the decrease or increased total cash required to buy the home, what yeah. it does to the payment. But the first question that I always ask is, Hey, how long are you going to be in the home? Because there is a break even. And let's say that you only plan to stay in the home for two to three years. You get transferred all the time for work. You don't want to spend a ton of money because it might be a 15 year break even on that additional investment for a lower rate. So yeah. we're always trying to gauge how long you'll be in the home. And these are all conversations I'm having with my clients. But the biggest point is to know about discount points, know that anyone can get any interest rate, work with someone like myself and my team that are going to give you the options, educate and let you make the right decision for you mm-hmm. and, and kind of go from there. So that's kind of my spiel on the pre-qual, pre-underwrite and then interest rates. The final chapter is how to avoid losing your approval. Uh, yeah, don't. Yeah, this is not my favorite subject, <clears throat> but it happens. And when it happens, it just makes us lose our breath. So there's some obvious things now. Pretty much when you go through this approval process, you need to know all that information with your how much money you have, your job, your 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 obligations on your credit it needs to really be cemented and permanent until you close in a home. Um, what we don't want to see is any missed payments. Don't miss any payments or deferred payments. If you're selling a home and going to carry two mortgages or whatever, a lot of people are like, oh, I just assumed that I didn't have to pay that because I'm going to close on it. Eventually, wow. I'm selling that. That we totally lost a deal because someone made that assumption. Make all your payments. If you've overpaid for some reason, you will get a refund. Lean on the like the side of caution versus optim- optimistic points of view. Yeah. Now, if you're changing a job, a lot of people will, you got to communicate with me. That is my job. I'm a, a specialized loan officer in relocation and job transfers. I understand this a lot, but in a more traditional non-relocation, some people will just quit their job and decide that they can go self-employed rather than a W-2. We don't want any changes there. Another super common thing is buying a new car. I actually read a blog that post-close buying a home, that is the most common time someone's going to buy a home direct or buy a car is directly after buying a new home because they've been super diligent on their credit and waited so they could have the maximum buying power. But if you buy a new car, you've added a new payment into that debt to income ratio evaluation, and you could be at risk of losing the home. That's happened. That does happen. We had a buyer that was moving from Arizona. They sold their home. They were Mm -hmm. on their way up here for the purchase of their new home in Portland, and they were worried their car wasn't going to make it. And they decided to sell that car and buy a Tesla on their way up to Portland and it destroyed their loan and they didn't qualify anymore because that payment was so huge and they 
totally screwed themselves. Like this is a thing. It happens. I cried that day. I think you. Yeah. And I think, you know, the mindset from everybody out there is like, oh, I've already ran my credit. I'm I'm good. Whatever. I guess people aren't told that mortgage companies will do another credit check, a soft pull prior to closing to ensure there aren't any new inquiries on your credit. There's also credit monitoring. So you'll the mortgage company often gets a notification if your credit's been pulled again and requests for you to explain why you had another inquiry. So a lot of people just think they're good to go and not worry about it. The, the easiest, lighthearted way, wait till you financially close, wait till you have keys yeah. in hand, the deed and the title, everything has been recorded to go get that new car, to go get new furniture. And I knew everyone wants to be proactive and have it all dialed in prior, but a couple of weeks waiting is well worth having the house versus trying to get your sectional couch from West Elm early and then not have a house to put that couch in. So just be mindful of that. (laughs) I think it's super important, but connect with us. We go through the basics at no obligation or cost out of you in that initial zoom call, the screen share. We'll do it all verbally and unofficially where it's like, Hey, how much money are you making? Are you commissioned? Are you salary? I punch in the numbers and I show you what the obligation is. How much student loan debt do you have? A lot of people forget about that. And even though you might not be obligated to pay on those student loans because they're deferred or you might be exempt from them in three years or whatever, the total balance gets factored into your buying power. So don't think that I've had people in the past be like, nope, I don't have any. And really they did. They just not obligated to make payments. So we'll go through all that verbally and then we'll transition into showing what your money gets you and what the different price points are for the payment. I break down closing costs, which is a whole nother conversation, which I think is totally overlooked and generalized and tricks to these buyers on these zoom calls. Like I'm always amazed, like a couple things, you know, treating your credit score, like a baby Jesus, you've got to take care of it and the things to do and don't we talk about that on those zoom calls. But the other way I want to give the biggest takeaway that you give people when it talks about down payment, when they're like, well, do I have to put 20% down? Well, no, your first time home buyer, you can put as low as 3% down or 5%, you know, you make those choices, but let's talk about the $10,000 rule. That's the biggest trick. And I love it. I know it doesn't really talk about today's little topic, but it's a good takeaway for people to have. Yeah, this is a general kind of called a Netflix takeaway. So when you're watching Netflix and you and your partner, one of you guys is looking at uh, Redfin or Zillow, you know, the $10,000 rule is in budget or down payment, 10 grand in cash really only changes your payment on a 30 year mortgage by about $50 a month, my friends. $50. I'd rather have that 10,000 in my, you know, nest rainy day fund. And that goes back to the spreadsheets where it's like, hey, maybe we put $10,000 in savings. So you've got six months of reserves or additional savings in case something happens or an an unforeseen life event that requires cash to resolve. We want you to have savings. We'd rather you have, you know, maybe a little bit of higher payment and have the savings than the opposite. And with the $10,000 as a budget, if you're looking at, a $700,000 home and a $710,000 home, 
hey, maybe 710 is 50 bucks more a month, but it has all these things fluffed and buffed and nice and the risk of things yes. breaking down and extra work are well worth $10,000 more in purchase price than that other one. So keep keep that $10,000 rule in mind. And these are all things I review with you. And I give you options to review and consider prior to putting the offer, which not many people are doing. And it's a huge resource. It's huge. So you guys, I hope that you will reach out to us so we can just start a conversation. No pressure, but we'd love to connect with you when moving to Portland, Oregon. Until next time, we will catch you later. Stay tuned for more.